So a, a survey in the 1970s said that 95% of the world's oceans are unexplored. Yes. Uh, I read a headline from a few days ago, 95% of the world's oceans are unexplored. So what the fuck? This is What Do, the serious business podcast for serious business people. I'm Tom McCoy, your top autist, or at least one of them. With me today, uh, Tori Babson. Uh, she studies fish. She handles fish, feeds fish, also a snake. Is that correct? Hello, Tori. Hello. Yep, that is correct. I got one right now. Oh, my God. Can you say hi? So this is a green anaconda. She's about a year and a half old. She's still very little. Her name so is Jesus. Her name is Jesus? Yeah. Um, so she's a little special. She is, uh, was born via parthenogenesis, which is uh, essentially in Latin virgin birth. Um, she has no dad. She's very special. Um, her mother. Oh, I see what you did. I see what you did. So, so um, on top of the whole fun little Jesus fun. Uh, on top of that, there's a, a man called Jesus Rivas who does a whole lot of uh, really awesome research and work with them in the wild and has written a lot of really awesome papers on them and a lot of what we know about them is thanks to him. So she's actually named after him. <laughs> okay. Can they just do that? Like, can they just decide um, to do that or do they? So we haven't figured out like what triggers really um often especially in captivity it's like separation from a male for a certain amount of time so she has not been in contact with a male her whole life um there it has happened a couple of other times um not completely confirmed but we got the dna testing and everything um thankfully the aquarium has some money to do that um but uh it's not it's very uncommon for sure so wait so the snakes can, the snakes at least can smash the patriarchy. Virgin right. bird, yeah. they can separate. I am sharing this yep. with uh, my group. I've, so one <laughs> thing I've done to keep sane is uh, I've been like Roger from American Dad, and I've just uh, kind of started role playing in this group called Men Are So Confused About Their Current Market Value. <laughs> and the shit I can post and just delete. It, I, I'm like Borat, but better and smarter. And Love it, it. it is very fun. It is very fun. Because you're also the first woman uh, guest on What Do. You know, whatever. But yeah, how's that? It's not as bad as me walking into Home Depot and going to get some plumbing and um, being like, Show me your tits. You? Do you know what you need? Like, what did they ask for? I'm like, bitch, I'm here for me. Like, I need a three-eighths to a uh, half-inch uh, plumbing adapter, coupling adapter. Like, where is it? Just tell me. Fuck you. And then I asked them for some. I once asked them for something, and they're like, that's not a thing. And I was like, you just don't have it. <laughs> um, yeah, I also don't always realize when things are, like, exclusive to kind of fish tanks, sort of. So, like, I ask for things, and they're like, are you sure that's what it's called? Are you sure? It's, I, yeah, mm-hmm. Are you being sexist or am I just misunderstanding something? Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much. It's way better now than it was like five or ten years ago. You could have gotten a lot of clout by saying it's just getting worse. 
it's not. It's better, thankfully. That Facebook group, that fucking Facebook group, I feel like a king. Like, they don't even... <laughs> They don't even look at my profile picture because if they do, I'll just say I'm male presenting. These are aggressive, very bitter people. And there's nothing I can do other than have fun. I have a little bit of a problem with too much vocalization too, though, because I feel like sometimes it exacerbates it and makes it worse. Vocalization? Um, um, yeah. Huh. So, like, if you're it too much, you should always be vocal but I mean like there are so many women that are strong and powerful and awesome and really make their point and then they stop then there are women who don't stop and then just kind of go beyond it's kind of how I feel um about PETA like oh Jesus yeah they say yeah. for animals but there are they really like I feel like they're just in it to be dicks like there are some women that I feel like are just feminists just to be a dick. Well, because, like, a lot of these women, I, I feel like, you know, uh, I'm betting that for most of them, something terrible happened at some point in their lives. And yeah, it's, e sure. it's, it's far easier to just say, you know, fuck men. Uh, yeah. I get it. I really do. It's, but also, like... Feminism should be pro and equality for women, not negative towards men like that's not we should you should always focus in a positive direction instead of a negative direction which is like the opposite of what PETA does instead of being like pro animals I feel like they're just Steve Irwin negative towards humans <laughs> I think they lost they really lost they really took the L after that I think that like they really it became just, a joke in the national life the Steve Irwin thing I as as someone who does not eat meat I hate PETA <laughs> Well, that, that's interesting to me is that you don't eat meat, but you'll like you'll feed dead animals that didn't have to be dead for animals that could just be in the wilds killing on their own. Like, where does where does the responsibility for death begin and end? So I have thought about this my entire life and have what I think is a solid answer at this point because it's how it's my answer, um, my opinion uh, is that I for me to survive in a healthy way. I don't need to kill animals. I can survive just, just fine and get the nutrition I need otherwise. Um, but by taking these animals from the wild, it is our responsibility to give them the nutrition and as normal and as acceptable a lifestyle as possible, keep them as, you know, with the most normal behaviors, the most, you know, closest to the wild opportunities that you can. And the only reason that I think all of that is acceptable is because when you see the reaction of someone who has never met, you know, a hermit crab, has never seen a snake, has never interacted with a tiger, whatever, seeing those things does make a personal connection and seeing them like in real life, they have, we have science that shows, we have papers that prove that there is a like connection made in their brain between that animal and the environment and like caring they care more when they see it in in person so i don't like zoos and aquariums that are like just for profit i'm not saying there's anything wrong with the ones that are for profit but some of them are just for profit and have no focus on education and stuff whereas i think that's the entire point as to why they should exist that's the only reason why we should keep animals that are not necessarily you know like domestic like cats dogs whatever why we should keep them in, in cages because 
we're keeping this one animal in a cage to try and help the rest of the ocean or the rest of those animals that are in the wild because it makes people give a shit. <laughs> and that's the thing that kind of like kills me inside too when people are like, oh, keeping animals in zoos is terrible. Like it's awful to the animals. Like we all, I, there are, there are terrible situations. But the whole point of them is because we know that there is a connection made between humans that see them in real life in front of them that are then less likely to go and like litter when they go home. They're less likely to go throw a bag in the ocean, et cetera. So especially now more than ever, they're important. I ask this for every guest. Tori, what is your definition of hard work? Do you mean how do you tell if someone is a hard worker or what work is hard? I would say both because that's the thing that uh, I don't think registers with me. You know, some, some people on the spectrum uh, don't know, you know, what, uh, don't know what manners are, don't know, don't have a good perception of time. I'm not sure I know what hard is because it, it's like a do or do not kind of situation with me. You either do it or you don't. Is it hard? It's like, well, what is hard? Same way, what is a fish? Is it time? Yeah. Um, is it actually like, like difficult? Like it takes multiple tries to master? Is it just, does it just mean you're going to have to like work late on a Tuesday night? It's probably I think not any, that hard. Anybody can have different, I think hard work is not the same for everybody. No. Um, so like, you know, the other day, we had to catch the 145-pound stingray. Was that easy? No. No, it wasn't. She's really heavy, and she doesn't like being caught. So, you know, we all got rammed into walls a lot. Whoa. But, uh, so I think, like, you know, for me, that's, yes, that is physically difficult, and it is, you know, you have to, like, pay attention, and there are hard things about it, but I also would rather do that than sit in the ticket office for eight hours. Yeah. Like that's harder for me to just sit. So I think it really depends. And I don't think there's an easy answer for it. I would say it, it's very dependent on the person. If you are doing your job to the level and, and or more than is expected of you, I would say you're a hard worker. Agreed. How did you start? How did you become a fish? How did you get an aquarium? Job? How did I become a fish? Um, so people have asked me before, like, oh, is this like, you know, what you always wanted to do? And the short answer is no. Um, <laughs> I was uh, going to school for pharmacy and realized that I liked biology better than chemistry. Uh, so I made that switch, um, graduated with a degree in biology from UMass Boston. Um, and started volunteering at the aquarium. I had um, aquariums in my house. I had, you know, was in the, the fish keeping hobby just on my own in my spare time. Um, so I volunteered at the aquarium, um, volunteered there for two years, uh, and then ended up getting a job. And now this is my life. Fish are pretty much fish, reptiles, etc. Pretty much anything but the mammals are all that I do. <laughs> Did you have to overcome like a fear of grossness? Cause that was what stopped me. Like I love bugs and shit. I like as a four year old, I'd like have these Jurassic Park plastic tweezers, and I just with a little vial, and I just 
put ants in them and examine them and then let them go, of course. Dirt and stuff like that, that part was fine. Like the grossness was fine, but um, learning to touch maybe animals that I wasn't so comfortable with, like crickets and worms, you know, I, I now part of my job is helping to, to prepare food for the um, elazabrank touch tank. So all the sharks and rays that are in that really large exhibit that everyone gets to touch. Um, there's a lot of fish in that tank. Uh, they require a lot of food every day. We prepare nine pounds of food for them every day. So we cut up nine pounds of fish, squid, clam, etc. So there's there's a lot of blood and guts involved with that. I mean, I would have um, opened up that answer with the shit you showed me when you're feeding the snake. You get creative. You really do. It's All right. Like, well, that one, that's like a whole new level. That was, that's not like a normal thing you should have to do. So because this baby snake, her sister is normal, healthy, behaves regularly, but was difficult to get them both to eat. She still will not eat on her own. I still have to assist feed her every week. Um, so part of the problem with parthenogenesis is that when you don't have a male donor, you don't get the same kind of genetic diversity. So you get a lot of um, birth defects. You get a lot of, uh, you know, like, because they're, they're, they're homozygous for everything. So anything recessive is going to be expressed. So any um, recessive genetic problems are going to be, um, are going to show up. So this one, you can see she has a little, a cleft palate. Uh, oh my sure God. It's like a Down syndrome snake. It really is. The eye, like, are the eyes <laughs> supposed to be like that? Oh, it's a little funny because she looks shiny right now. I don't know if I can kind of. So her eyes are normal. It's just the very front of her rostrum. That is, oh, I see now. Um, it like yeah, puts the, the whole face out of whack. Yeah, so it's just like her, her mouth and there's like a little hole where her tongue is supposed to come out and that's all offset to the side. Um, but she can still swallow on her own. She's still... Um, People came, tongue, people that study tongue flicking and reptiles came, looked at her, thought that, the, you know, her responses and everything that she could still smell, maybe not as well, um, because the organ that they used to smell is called the Jacobson's organ. It's in the top roof of their mouth. Um, so probably because her tongue is slightly impaired with um, how it flicks, it might not, because the, the way that it works is that the particles from the air get passed over the organ. That's how they smell, um, because her tongue doesn't quite move as, like, swiftly, quite not as... Uh, smoothly that she might not smell as well as um a snake without that genetic deformity hmm. and sharks have jacobson's yeah. organs too so, right is that the uh, they have um ampullae of lorenzini that's like their magnetic thing but there are other organisms that have a jacobson's organ i'm not positive about sharks because hmm. I, I just know that the the stats that uh sharks can smell for like 100 miles or whatever they can smell blood for a hundred miles. Have you heard about yeah. this? Uh, let, let me tell you about sharks, Tori. Wait, wait, let me interject. <laughs> they can smell fish blood from that far away. Do they smell different? Do you fish think? blood, yes. So fish blood and um, mammal blood are not the same. Fish have a lot more oil and they can smell the oil that is in fish blood, not mammal blood they can still smell it but it's not the same it's not as easy huh and yeah are there animals other than crabs that have blue blood do you know because that's another um, that's a fun know. fact i remember crabs yeah, have blue um, blood. yeah that's based on um so they're like oxygen carrying um 
uh, what is the molecule is. Yeah, and they use copper instead of iron, yeah? Iron. Yeah, so that's that's why. But um, I'm not sure. But you are right, Krabstokugla. But are there fish, <laughs> like, right in the bottom of the ocean? You mentioned people studying tongue flicking. Is that its own profession? I can believe that. There's an entire lab at um, University of Connecticut that just studies tongue flicking in reptiles. Hmm. Is is uh, Gene Simmons on the board? <laughs> uh, or or, or Larkin Love? But he might be. I'm not sure. You are also like a diver, and a, you're a real explorer. You're like a you're like a little Viking. Yeah. So that's part of part of my job. Is you have to have. Uh, dog certification um, for a couple of reasons. One, because some of the tank maintenance is only possible through diving. Um, the giant ocean tank in the middle of the the um, in the middle of the aquarium, you can only feed some of the fish and pretty much anything through diving. Um, we also go out. We'll collect data um, diving. We will collect animals diving. We'll collect um, you know seaweed for exhibits and stuff like that. Um, all of which, of course, like we have permits for and stuff, and there's like a whole lot that goes into like what we actually can and should take from the ocean. But uh, most of it's just data collection and whatnot. And where do you do the collecting? You don't do it in Boston Harbor, right? Um, some of it, yeah. Some of it we do do in Boston really? Harbor just outside. Um, but uh, a lot of it is in Maine uh, in Eastport. What does the bottom of the harbor look like still? Is it's it all not as bad as East. It's not like, a, well, it's got to be like, so there there got to be at least like bleach bottles and shit, right? Um, you don't see as much trash as you think, but it's definitely like sludge. Like you can't, if you land on the bottom where like there are boats and all that kind of stuff and like that much activity, there's like, you know, a layer of like silt and just like essentially like ocean fluff. Hmm. Probably like almost anywhere from half a foot to a foot deep. So if you land, you kind of have now screwed yourself and you can't see anything at all. So you have to kind of do like a, an awkward little hover over the bottom whenever you do anything that close to shore. Do you wear, uh, you gotta wear weights, right? It's gotta be uncomfortable. For sure, yep. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it depends. So I wear, um, because it's usually very cold, um, I wear a dry suit. Uh, not everybody wears dry suits, but most of us do. Um, that requires quite a bit more weight to sink than just a wetsuit. Um, so there is there is quite a bit of weight involved. Uh, my first job ever was a spotter for a diver in Situa Harbor. And really? Yes. You're qualified for that, even though you're not a diver. I'm, I'm, I think the requirement was just have someone in the boat, just hold the flag. Okay. Uh, who knows if it was legal? Um, <laughs> and I would hand the weights. I was like the uh, the OR tech, like you know, scalpel, uh, a suture, never sees. And I I he'd fix chains and shit while I just handed him hammers and weights. That's awesome. And yeah, it was it was it was fun. It was basically doing nothing. But well, I mean, beginning of the season, I I would quote unquote work my ass off, even though I was just it was basically real life like Minecraft Animal Crossing. I can just zone out, scrubbing the barnacles off of buoys, paint the buoys, clean the, you know, clean chains, unravel things. Nice. It's a good, uh, good time, good zone out time. Yeah. But those weighted belts, I don't know how you like can like move your upper body because when I wear a belt, I have to make sure to have at least like some sort of undershirt because when the buckle touches my belly. 
it's like a cold and uncomfortable sensation that I can't lean forward even slightly. Well, you also have to realize it goes on the outside of whatever suit you're wearing. Yeah, so you have something tucked in your uh, in your uh, sweat sweat sweatshirt, your suit, your wet shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but here's here's the my my question as like far as ocean exploration goes. So a, a survey in the 1970s said that 95% of the world's oceans are unexplored. Yes. Uh, I read a headline from a few days ago, 95% of the world's oceans are unexplored. Yep. So what the fuck? <laughs> what are so, you guys? <laughs> couple problems. Sometimes it's really deep. Other times there's not enough reason for us to go explore it so like you have to realize that most of it is not covered in life most of it is not coral reef most of it is like big vast open looks mostly like just a you know outstretched vast of sand and just open water um so the amount of time effort and uh money required to go explore those places um is immense and doesn't you have to like get the money from somewhere. No one's going to give you a grant to just go look. You have to. Don't we spend billions of dollars on the moon? Yeah, but people like space better than the ocean for some reason. Uh, who gives a shit about space? I've never been there. I agree. I don't know. Maybe are you? You guys aren't just scared of like the creepy fish, right? Surely no. Oh, what do you think about the bloop? Here's another thing: the bloop. You probably know about the bloop. Yes. No. Oh, it was like a NOAA thing that they found out that there's this like signal, this like radio signal or something that's coming from the bottom. Of the oh, ocean. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know anything about that, though. Sure, you don't. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think there's just not enough. Like you have to have a real reason. It's expensive. It takes time. And there's so, so, so much ocean that has, you know, probably really cool stuff in it, but not a lot of stuff. So, you know, it, it's probably the equivalent of, like, getting people to stare at the sky for a really long time. When people really did that happens. for free. That's true. That's true. People do go diving the ocean for free, but they don't record very much. That's so harder. Do you think it is possible, though, that there are animals bigger than the blue whale at the bottom of the ocean? Because isn't there more nitrogen oh, yeah. stuff from the vents? Nitrogen yeah. is what makes stuff big, yeah? Well, um, so the, I mean, it, so when, when you go deeper, though, usually you get smaller. There's like a sweet spot in the middle um, where there's large organisms. When you go down deeper and there's less light, there's less nutrients. Um, so it's really hard for something really big to live that deep. Like the colossal squid is an exception to that, um, but it does, they do know that it does come up a little bit um, to hunt for food and stuff. But I think, I think especially the state that our ocean is in now, it would be really difficult for there to be, I will never say no, that's definitely never a thing. Cause I will always believe that there's something bigger and more awesome. Cause why wouldn't you, that's fun. Um, but I, doubt that there is much because as you get deeper the super deep sea organisms they get smaller and smaller and usually are like you know a foot or smaller because there's just not enough for them to eat down there 
Sorry, that was a disappointing answer. <laughs> it is a little disappointing. I always like the idea of some of the deeper you get, the scarier and more bigger. One of the most mind blowing things. Scarier, yes. Yeah. Bigger, maybe. But one of the most mind blowing things I learned from you was that squid, squids are not actually really that smart. It's octopuses no. are where it's at. I always thought squid yep. were like little, little like uh, squishy chimps, because I heard about those bio. There aren't. There's like a species of bioluminescent squid or whatever that can communicate through flashes. And yep. I remember watching on Animal Planet, but this was also the time where Animal Planet was like basically became History Channel. Like I remember yeah. the. Uh, did you see the special about the dragons? About. No, I saw the mermaid one, but not the dragon. The mermaid one. Oh, did you have to answer? Did you have to field questions about mermaids for a time after that? Um, no. So that was that was before I worked at the aquarium, thankfully. But uh, it was like just before, so I I got to skip that one. But um, I I've gotten asked once about mermaids, but it was from a small child, so it wasn't. It was a pretty easy answer. Have you ever hit a parent for saying, "Look, it's Nemo." Um, no, but I have been, I have ducked and ran from it, for sure. Okay, that's, that's fair. They also get upset because Dory's not in the same tank, so. Well, they're not in the, the same reefs, right? Um, they, well, I mean, it depends on what type of clownfish you're talking about, but they, they can be. There's more than one type of clownfish? Mm-hmm. Oh my god. They have like there's like actual different there there are different species that they call clownfish um, that are I mean there's different species of clownfish but there are also fish called anemone fish that look kind of like clownfish but are not technically clownfish and then you have like the different breeds like there's like designer breeds of clownfish now because of hobbyists they really like to you know when people what? keep animals in their houses they like to make them look weird and mess with their genetics and stuff um, like so the... there's like white clownfish and long fin clownfish there's all sorts of things now <laughs> so you say there's a thing that looks like a clownfish lives in anemones like a clownfish but it's not a clownfish correct is it because they're not funny what makes it not a clownfish um i don't know they're just a different species fish nomenclature seems very arbitrary oh it's ridiculous and yet there's no such thing as a fish i mean yeah define a fish that's that's my favorite question because yeah. there's not an answer because no one really has an answer because well, there's an exception to every single rule. We'll call the, the umbrella things with the spaghetti. We'll call those jellyfish. We'll call yeah. uh, the, the, the... We the, just call them jellies, actually. That's true. Uh, the moon jellies. Mm -hmm. Is something going on with moon jellies? Yeah. Um, so jellies are actually an indicator species, um, which means that uh, looking at their populations and monitoring them tells us more about that ecosystem than just what's going on with those those animals. Um, so jellies, when you remove larger like predators like um, you know seals and turtles and those types of things that eat jellies, other jellies, um, there are large blooms of them. So usually a large jellyfish bloom actually is an indicator of a declining ecosystem. So we've and warmer oceans are also another thing that will, you know, spark an influx of jellies. Uh, so when you, we're seeing more and more blooms of jellies, which is, you know, only an indication of a declining ecosystem. Because 
I remember uh, you remember too the harbor maybe four or five years ago. It was like a giant fucking ball pit. It was yeah. you couldn't you couldn't walk one inch without a moon jelly. And yeah. then the next few years, not not much going on. The same Funny. thing has happened with um with uh, Tina Fours, so comb jellies. They've also had um, influxes of those too. So was it just turtles? Was it the weather or a combination? It's it's all of it. It's all of it. It's warmer waters. It's um, waters getting warmer for longer, getting warmer earlier, um, and vice versa also. Um, but uh, yeah, so declining predators, less predators that eat them, a lot of things. None of them good. <laughs> None of them good. Well, warmer water sounds pretty nice. Well. Does it get, it does it get frust, like, you're more in touch with the marine ecosystem. So, how frustrating does it get for like weekend warrior like extremists to like be talking about we got Jim Eidenhoff over here saying like no the the climate isn't changing at all and then we got people who just simplify to like the world's going to end in 5 years so that the Jim Eidenhoffs can say see they're dumb yeah um so we just went um my boyfriend and I just went to, um, to Florida and we went diving, um, in the coral reefs or what were the coral reefs? We saw definitely more dead coral than we saw live coral. Blanching, um, right? And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just, and it's, it's sad and you can see where like, you know, there are still plenty of fish, but there are definitely less fish than you know there should be. Um, and like, you know, you can see differences when like, you know, as a diver, you go out and each year you go out and you see it's like slightly different. And then, you know, the next year it's, you know, slightly different. There's less fish, there's less baby fish. There's, you know, more jellies. There's, you know, things just don't look quite right. And it's very frustrating, especially, you know, especially when you're looking for certain species too, like, you know, we're going, we're taking numbers and collecting certain species. And like you go like one year and, you know, you find a ton of them. Like, you know, a few years ago, we had a really easy time finding this certain species of fish. And now it's like almost impossible to find them because they're just gone. Um, so it's, it's really frustrating listening to people saying like, oh, yeah, no, it's, it's fine. It's only one degree, you know, like. Yeah, because yeah. People, focus on the, people focus on the sea level thing. Where yeah. it's like, yeah, the yeah. O- the ocean raises like an inch or something. Like, yeah, your house is gonna be fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and I also think it, that the the, po- the polar bear image. I think the bleached reef is a way more powerful image than the polar bear, because I I look at like a polar bear on a floating piece of ice and I think, whatever. I'm not gonna go to vacation on the North Pole. <laughs> I might go to I might go to Belize. I want to go like scuba diving like in Belize or something like that. I'm not going to the North Pole. Fuck the polar bear. Yeah. Don't actually fuck the polar bear. You know, it's sad and everything. <laughs> I, I've ridden many a bear uh polar bear. I've also jumped on polar bears for extra lives. Uh but yes. <laughs> but that's that's the extent of their usefulness to me. Do I want them to die? No. Yeah. Do I give as much of a shit if they die than, you know, the coral reefs? No. I do feel like you're in the minority for that, though. So there's this weird phenomenon that I've seen far more, you know, as someone who is into fish um, more than I had before. Um, But uh, people like mammals. They love mammals and birds. Um, So penguins, you know, your seals, your, uh, your whales, 
your polar bears. Um, people love them, love them, want to save every single one of them. How could anybody ever club a seal? That's so sad. Mm. But, you know, then you see fishermen like ripping the legs off of crabs because they're in their trap and they're just trying to get them out and they're annoying. Um, or like, you know, there's this really ugly fish who is super important to the ecosystem, but it's ugly. So people don't really care and they're not that interested in it because it's not cute. Which fish um, is this? There's, the blobfish? Uh, the lumpfish. <laughs> so it's, it's not so much of a problem here right now, but um, this fish being harvested for its row. Um, so if you don't, when you order row, you get fish eggs at a restaurant. Um, if those eggs are not surgeon eggs, which, you know, surgeon are highly endangered and a huge problem everywhere, um, then it's lumpfish eggs. And the way that they harvest the eggs is not by waiting for the, the female to lay them and then going and getting them, because that would be impossible. Um, they catch gravid females, they slice them open, they take the eggs out, and then they just throw, throw the animal back, whatever. Um, so, you know, we haven't seen a problem right now, but I this is a thing that's happening a lot. And I think we're going to see the population declining. Um, we need to get Stephen Molyneux on the case. Don't worry about Taylor Swift's eggs. Let's focus on these eggs, I guess. But these fish are cool because one of, well, I mean, to be fair, they're very ugly. I think they're the cutest thing in the world, but I also think ugly things are cute. So there's that. Um, but these fish are used um, a lot of times on fish farms because they eat lice. Um, they eat sea lice off of other fish. Um, so they're really important as parasite control um, in the ocean. I don't know. I guess you must take out your your predatory aggression on those guinea pigs. Uh huh. Oh yeah. I don't even think we we actually went into that. <laughs> yeah. So when I mentioned the snake, people, this was like a guinea pig sliced open and stuffed with what was it? Baby chickens. Um. It was. It was a, a number of things. We tried hamsters. We tried mice. We tried rats. Um. We tried baby quail, baby chicks, lots of things, all frozen and dead by the way okay. not anything live <laughs> um but yeah so uh especially with uh anacondas for some reason guinea pigs their scent is very appealing to them it's like the uh mcdonald's if you will of uh snake food um just smells really awesome so sometimes to get a baby anaconda to eat if you scent something with guinea pig then they'll go for it which worked with her sister unfortunately it didn't work with her but um, yeah, so you know, you just kind of, you, you gut them, you take essentially the stomach lining, I guess, smells really good. So you kind of open them up, you know, you take out like the intestines and all the, the gross parts, um, take whatever food item, put it in there, put it in some hot water for a while, clamp it shut, you know, let it marinate for a while. Like you do. <laughs> yeah. Um, take that out. And usually because it's now had like, you know, the the blood and, and some of the guts on it, it smells really yummy and they'll eat it. <laughs> you should, oh, you should sell uh, alligator bait for swamp people. <laughs> yeah, this is what they do on swamp people. They, they find, like, every episode, they're like, oh, we don't get them alligator. We ain't getting them going, no alligator. So they <laughs> devise uh, a new gross way to hang bait that's like an, in an old family tradition where oh. it's like they make either a marinade out of chicken blood or something, or they like use marshmallows soaked in, uh, I don't know, like, like bear, bear, bear spunk or something like that. And it works oh. like a charm. And then they don't use it again. So every episode, every episode, they have a new, a new family tradition. 
did uh, did uh, neutral neutral lung neutral lung soaked in chicken blood, and it works. And then the next episode, they're drag teasing raw chicken. That's funny. We were trying to catch crabs once in this salt marsh, um, and uh, the locals down there were laughing at us because um, we were having trouble finding them. Um, and they came out with some chicken legs, some fried chicken legs. And we're like, you have to use these. And we were like, what do you mean we have to use those? Um, anyway, so we caught a bunch of uh, crabs with fried chicken. Um, turns out they like that. <laughs> Please don't do this, people. Do not feed crabs fried chicken. It's one of the worst things you could give them. You know that these people are throwing their, their KFC empties into the marsh. That's how they found out. Yeah, yep. But yeah, so just, uh, we were, you know, trying, you know, with our, our snorkels and everything, we we're looking for crabs, can't find them, can't find them. So people come out with a string and a, a drumstick and uh, <laughs> caught some crabs. That's what she said. Yeah. Can, can crabs feel pain? Can lobsters feel pain? Because I remember the old the wives tale about like lobsters screaming in the pot. And that's obvious, and that's bullshit. Uh, so this question, I feel strongly about this question. Oh. So um, people argue that fish don't feel pain um, because they don't have the part of the brain that we have that processes pain. Um, <clears throat> neither do birds. But we accept that birds feel pain. You know, we don't, we don't think of birds like we do like fish, you know. No one says, oh, it's just a bird, but people all the time say, oh, it's just a fish. Um, you know, you go fishing, you catch a fish, what do you do when you are going to eat it? You throw it in a cooler with no water, and you let it suffocate to death. Hmm. Would people be okay with you, like, doing that to a bird or a mammal? Nah. No. <laughs> um, do I think they feel pain the same as us? No. I think it is different. We don't know how it's different. Um, but I do think that pain is such a good way to get something to survive that I would be shocked if animals, you know, that can learn and have all of those, you know, slightly higher thinking power could not. That would be astounding to me. And I also feel like, you know, there's, there, you're not hurting it by assuming that it feels pain, but by, you know, not giving the animal that validation that they are a living being that might feel pain that's now i don't know pretty unreasonable to me just because it's inconvenient to think that so i just go ahead and assume that every organism feels some kind of pain um some exceptions might be like anemones and you know jellyfish things like that that don't have the central nervous system to even like react to stimulus quite the same um you know they do to to a to a degree, but it's, it's much less. It's a much simpler body layout, et cetera. Um, but I just think it's, it's always, I would never assume something couldn't feel pain. It's a very empathic worldview. So what, when someone catches a fish, so chop its head off right away, would you say? Or just throw it back yeah. in? Or, okay. Yeah. What would you, how would you describe boat life? Because you grew up sailing, I understand. Yeah, mm -hmm. I did. And you, you, would would ride the boat every day going to work. I don't know how you, do you go mm -hmm. in there now still to the aquarium? Um yeah, so I drive. Oh. 
Do you get like free parking at least as a? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah. sweet. Yeah. So there, there are some perks to this being an essential worker. So there's no one in your own car trying to hit on you. Correct. Hmm. And when I say trying to hit on you, I mean failing to get your attention. Usually. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should clarify, not the passengers. <laughs> Not the passengers in my uh, experience. It's the crew. That is a pet peeve of mine is people who, who where the boat is their entire personality. The fact that they've been on boats before. And like, <laughs> I'll, I'll accept it if you're like in a, a fairly attractive woman or or like a 50 plus year wait, old. Wait, that doesn't happen though. It happens. Women are not the ones who are like, yeah, I just do boats. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me? Like any any like any girl, like very very attractive, almost exclusively attractive. They'll have like you know I got oh like look at me I got an anchor tattoo. Then, you know obviously, oh. um, I mean any thought can have an anchor tattoo, but it's like that's that'll be one of the first things they point to, and like so, fun, old... fun fact. <laughs> fun fact. You have an anchor tattoo. Ten years ago, no. Okay. Nine years ago, I got an anchor tattoo. And then, like, five years ago, every girl started getting an anchor tattoo. And I really wished I could just take it off at that point. But it's not really how tattoos work. So now I just kind of usually hide from the fact that I <laughs> hide from the fact people that I have an anchor tattoo. You're in, you're in good company. <laughs> like, it's better than a shamrock. I, I asked a girl who had an anchor tattoo. This was before I realized that, like, this was a thing that girls were just getting anchor tattoos. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, she had an anchor tattoo. I was like, oh, I love your tattoo. I have an anchor tattoo, too. Like, also, what? why did you get yours? And she goes, oh, I really love the beach. Hmm. Anchors go on boats. And I bet they think that boats use the anchor just whenever they stop. <laughs> yeah, that's a common thread. That's how they stop. Yeah, it's the mm -hmm. only way. You could, like, wh what do you mean? You stop moving the boat. You gotta throw. You throw the anchor. It's like parking. It's like the brake. What are some uh, not so obnoxious ways that listeners can help the oceans and the environment? Oh, just stop using one times plastics would be huge. Um, you know, reducing waste in general. So, like, using less paper towels and stuff, but plastic the thing that, you know, really doesn't break down. Um, the whole, like, you know, reducing the straws thing is, is great, but it's such a small that portion of the That was so pot. annoying. You had to have been <laughs> just as annoyed as anyone else. Like, uh, I well, tried to be less frustrated because in the end, it was good. But that's not most of the problem. Most of the problem is not straws. Most straws don't end up in the noses of turtles. <laughs> That was a stupid turtle. That I'll was say a it. stupid turtle. All but turtles like are stupid. Well, it's Every turtle in the world is stupid. Adorable. Very important to the environment. Stupid. But it's mostly like it's mostly like plastic nets and bags and even six pack rings, right? That are like it's it's plastic everything. So like, you know, plastic plasticware, so like the the one time you silverware. Plastic plates, plastic bowls, just, just plastic bags. Plastic bags are bad. Plastic bags are extra terrible because that looks like a jellyfish in the ocean. You put mm -hmm. a plastic bag in the ocean, it looks like a jellyfish. 
You know how many things think jellyfish are delicious? A lot. <laughs> um, so plastic bags are probably the biggest, biggest problem, which is super frustrating now that I can't use my reusable ones and I, they won't let me bring them to the grocery store. And the worst, like one way that grocery stores are worse than Hitler is that they will give you paper bags without handles. So that you gotta like yeah, lift them from the bottom it. like an asshole, like, and you know they're gonna split. Uh, how, yeah, many I thought that was weird. how many cents are you saving by not having handles at the top of the paper bags? I think it's to stop. I think it's because they like the handles are not all that strong. But like Trader Joe's has pretty solid handles. Trader Joe's have fantastic handles. So this, this episode is sponsored by Trader Joe's. <laughs> like, and. They, I do love Trader Joe's like a lot. Oh, they're fantastic. They're fantastic, but they do not have the variety of flavored seltzers that Stop and Shop has. They don't, but that's because they have all their own stuff for the most part. So that kind of makes sense. And they have better uh, almond milk, Stop and Shop. They don't have, they have the kind of almond milk that's unsweetened and it doesn't turn into like the weird uh, like Greek yogurt with the spots and shit flying around. You know what I mean? Oh, it like yep, I do it know what you mean. denatures into like a, a a weird glue. It's gross. I don't like it. I think it's I think it's it, that some of it just kind of like clumps together. I don't think it like it's actually it's I don't think it's actually bad or anything. I think well, it's not just, bad. Like, it's just I, unsightly. Well, like, look at it. I have to. It's it's right in there. It's <laughs> uh, it's well, I'll froth it in the cup because it's the. I don't, it's the only thing I add to coffee, even then it's just to cool it down. But that, like, no matter how much I froth, froth it, it'll just re, re-clump. Unsu- just disgusting. Uh, oh, but almond milk is also bad for the environment, ain't it? Almond um, in general, I think, right? Uh, I'm not sure about that one. Because hmm. I, I remember... I, I think a lot of nuts might be over harvested from a lot of things and be not great for the environment, but I'm not positive. This, like, cause almonds are a pretty, pretty good nut. I say if we just skip a few other nuts to make compensate for almonds, like walnuts, what are we, what are we doing? Like maybe Thanksgiving, well, we'll put them in cranberry bread or something. Well, I mean, do we really need walnuts and pecans? I feel like they're the same to me. I can distinguish between pe- pecans and walnuts. Pe- pecans are, are definitely have a stronger flavor. So I suppose you could save the pecans. Uh, even then, don't go crazy. Because I think we're going crazy with pecans. I mean, not- I, I mean, I know that um, canola oil, that's bad, right? Yeah, well, you know. Palm oil, palm oil not canola oil. Palm yes, oil. palm oil is pretty bad. Canola oil, I, I think, is pretty bad, too, because do you know the story of canola oil? No. It's one of the the funniest PR stories of all time. So it's... Oh yeah, because you know the uh, plants that canola oil is pressed from? Uh, it was called rape oil. Your choices, macadamia oil, olive oil. What's your favorite oil to cook with? Rape. Rape, the but they just left the G off. It, yeah, well, grapeseed oil is its, is its own thing, too. So we had grapeseed yeah. oil and rapeseed oil. So that's a hell of a typo. Yeah. So 
the the company that started selling this oil was based in Canada. So they made, oh yeah, that's canola, canola oil. <laughs> Let's roll that out as soon as we can. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is. It's just that it needs to be different. <laughs> Maybe they'll have like a throwback edition. <laughs> this has been What Do? I'm Ben Tom McCoy with me, Tori Babson. Tori, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me.